Welcome to Donnacloney Parish Podcast. If you want to know more information about the parish, how to support us, or for other social media, please go to www.donnacloneyparish.co.uk. Thank you. Well, last Sunday, as we were studying Isaiah 40, uh, we were looking at God's comfort to his people, uh, the Israelite son is comfort to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. And let's continue this morning to see how he loves us and how he wants to comfort us. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we want to praise you because you're a God who does keep us promises. Lord, the promises to come to be with us. Lord, that in Christ you do, Lord, carry us close to your heart. We pray, Father, that you would help us this morning to hear you speak to us. And that once again, you would bring your love and mercy and your comfort to us through your word, by the power of your spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, I wonder how big your God is. Notice I didn't say how big God is. I asked how big is your God? Uh, uh, Maybe you're watching this and you're you're not a Christian, you maybe stumbled on this uh, through Facebook or YouTube. Maybe you're with a family, you're not a Christian and your family are and they're watching this. I want to thank you for watching this morning. I want to ask you, what do you worship? You might say, I don't worship anything. But actually you do because everybody worships something. It might be sport, it might be family, it might be friends, it might be money. Even those those of us who do believe in God, sometimes what we worship is far too small. I don't know if you've ever watched the film Honey, I've Shrunk the Kids. This inventor creates this ray and it shrinks his family. It's a good family film. But I can see from time to time that what we, we have done is we in our own imaginings have shrunk God Almighty, so that he's not able to cope with the big things of life, not even coronavirus. Well, this morning, I want you to see how big is your God. Let me ask you a question. Does the God that you have in your own mind have the power to do what he promises? See, all gods promise us something. Power. Fun, freedom, forgiveness, pleasure. Does your God have the power to do what he, she, or it promises? And that's the issue here in Isaiah 40, in verses 12 to 26, because last week we saw in verses 1 to 11, God makes a number of promises. Do you remember them? That he will come to his people, that he will cover their sins, that he will keep his word, that he will carry his people. And the bigger issue is this. Does God have the power to realize those promises? Is he big enough? And we get those answer, the answer to that question in our verses today. And Isaiah says, of course he does. After all, who else but God created all things? And who else but God controls all things? We're going to look at those two truths this morning. And let's see if this God, the God of the Bible, the God that God reveals himself to be, is our God. 
maybe we've got to change, maybe we've got to rethink or change our minds or repent and see if we're following the true God. Because, number one, who else but God created all things? I'm not the greatest with my hands. Uh, you just need to ask Gareth Tumulty of the mess that I made trying to build an exercise bike. But there is a sense that when you do build something, you step back from a project and you see it completed and there's a satisfaction to that. Maybe for some of the younger members watching this, you, you build something of Lego, maybe you're following a plan or you're freestyling it uh, and you build something, you build a plane or a house or whatever it is and there's a satisfaction in showing your mum or dad or granny or granddad or uncle or aunt or some other friend what you've built out of Lego. Or maybe in Minecraft, I know two of our smallest children love uh, to, to play on Minecraft and to build different tunnels or swimming pools or uh, towers or different things that they want to build, sometimes fun parks and the rest of it. Maybe some of us oldies like working in the garden and seeing plants grow or making delicious food or making a shed or building a house. We love making things. And we do love making things because we're with a God. We were created by, with a God, by a God who loves making things. Let's see what he made. Verse 12 of our reading. It'd be great if you had a Bible to turn to Isaiah 40, verse 12. Uh, just a physical Bible to have in your hands to follow each and every Sunday would be a great thing to have. Who has measured the waters in the hollows of his hand? Did you know that 71% of the Earth's surface is covered with water? And the oceans hold about 96.5% of all of the Earth's water. And God can measure all of that in the hollow of his hand. <laughs> or verse 12, Or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens. He made the 100 billion galaxies that we can see with the Hubble telescope. And he was able to say, yep, just right there, no further. Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket? God holds the dust of the earth. Did you know that in every home, every year, it collects about 40 pounds of dust? Most of that is old dead skin. Ugh. Or the earth's Surface is made of a third of dust. It's called the desert. We see that sometimes that dust, that, that sand from the Sahara can come from North Africa and land on our cars and make them terribly dirty. And in the mountains, in the hills, he has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains and the scales and the hills in a balance. Joe and I took the head staggers last Monday and walked up Sleeve Donard. It was beautiful, uh, not cloudless, uh, but the clouds, thank God, were a little bit above us. And so we were able to have a wonderful view uh, on top of Northern Ireland, of all the rest of the moorings and all the beautiful countryside. And yet that mountain, if you can really call it a mountain, is tiny in comparison to K2 or Mount Everest. And yet God can take all the mountains and all the hills and weigh them on a pair of scales. 
And here's the issue. He alone can do this. Did you see the word as Abby was reading earlier on? Who has measured the waters? Who has held the dust of the earth? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord? Whom did the Lord consult? It's who, 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 whom? There's no one else but God can do this. No one even comes close. That's why in verses 13 and 14 it says, God didn't need anyone else to make the world. He didn't get a committee together to ask for their opinions. These more mountains, are we going to make them green or will we make them brown or, or what way will we make them? How are we going to make these guys? He didn't need instructions like you get with a flat pack of how you put the earth together with a, a funny, funny little screwdriver. And God just did it all by himself. That's why verse 15, surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They're regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Think about all the countries of the world, all those countries that are suffering desperately with coronavirus now. Every country, China, America, Thailand, United Kingdom, Brazil, Australia, Uganda, all of them. And they're just like a drop singular in a bucket singular. And that would have been a huge deal for Isaiah's readers. The first readers of Isaiah who were in lockdown in Babylon because they were really scared of two big nations, Assyria and Babylon. And for a time it looked as if those big nations were winning because God's people have been taken off into exile. But compared to God, these nations are like a single drop in a single bucket. You see that God is so big, he's beyond measure. And he's beyond comparison. Look at verse 18. With whom then will you compare God? To what image will you liken him? It would be crazy to try to set something else up against God. But we do. Verse 19 and 20 tell us about the idols we love to make. Now here they're physical idols of gold and silver and wood. But it doesn't have to be statues. Our idols don't have to be statues. Whatever it is we worship in place of God is our idol. Anything we live for, even good things, when they become ultimate things, are idols. I wonder what your idols are. Verse 19 gives us the fancy idols, the idols made of gold and silver. Verse 20 gives us the bargain bucket, the economy ones made of wood. But whenever we say, I like to think of God as, we had the idolatry. When we think of, when we talk about the man upstairs, it's idolatry. Whatever we answer, answer when we ask the question, what's the one thing that if it was taken away would make you feel as if life wasn't worth living? That's your idol. And we all have idols. And the medicine we need to be healed of idolatry is to stop and to consider the true and living God. 
Who else but God can create all things? No one. Who else but God could create all things? No one. You see, the issue is not, is God powerful enough this week to fulfill what he promised to me? Of course God is. The issue is, will I, will you believe that? Will we remember that? Will we live by that? And so this week, as we face our difficulties, will we turn to the real God or will we fall to idolatry? If we're feeling sad this week, where will we turn to for comfort? To God or to idols? That's why we need Isaiah 40, to see the true and living God, to again, to have our eyes turned back to the true and living God, to see how big he is, to make sure our God isn't the honey, I shrunk the kids kind of God, a, a little God that, that, I, that just follows me rather than me following him. We need to look at here again in God's word to have our, our, our eyes and our hearts and our minds reformed again to see the true and living God who controls all things. It's our second point. Who else but God controls all things? I wonder, as a child, or maybe later on, did you have one of those little wind-up toys? You know the ones like uh, sometimes you get uh, chickens or sometimes you get the teeth that you wind up, you let them go and they bounce away, chomping away? Well, some people think that God's like that, that he created the world, that he wound it up and then he just let it go and, and walked away. It's what people call is the, the watchmaker theory, or if you want to be a little bit more fancier, it's the teleological argument. That God made the world like a watch. There's a design to it. We can see there's design. But that the designer has just left us to, to, to work it on ourselves. He's just walked off. And that leaves us with a God who is far away and is not interested in his creation. And Isaiah wants to tell us that that is just not true. God not only created the world, he also controls and runs it all the time. Did you see verse 22? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. Did you see the Bible tells us that the earth is round? Long before scientists were able to tell us that the earth wasn't flat. And so verse 22, the God who controls, who stretches out the heavens, he makes the sun rise each day as easy as you or I pitch a tent on a camping holiday. Verses 23 to 24, he lays lows, princes and rulers of this earth. Just think about it. Where are the pharaohs and where are the Caesars now? Verse 24, they're blown away like chaff by the God who controls all things. And where are Assyria and Babylon and Persia and Roman empires today? Verse 24, withered and taken away by the God who controls all things. And so God says, verse 25, to whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Do you see that we're back to the stupidity of comparison, comparison of comparing God, the Holy One, to anyone or anything else? Verse 26 brings these great truths of God creating and God controlling together. It tells us, Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. 
Lift up your eyes, look to the heavens. Who created all these things? Look at the night sky and ask, who controls them all? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Astronomers estimate there are about 100,000 million stars in our Milky Way galaxy alone. Outside of that, there are millions upon millions of other galaxies. And so each star, God calls out by name. Can you imagine the roll call? Sirius, here. Pollux, here. Bellatrix, here. I wonder, did you see NASA and SpaceX, that collaboration fly to the International Space Station? It was very, very impressive as they flew up on a Falcon Heavy rocket. But they were only flying 408 kilometers up into the sky. Very impressive, I give you. But even they don't know how many stars there are. God does. But so what? What has this got to do with you and me? Well, look at the end of verse 26. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Here's the thing. If God is so powerful that he never loses one of the stars, do you really think he's going to lose you? If God knows their names, do you think God's going to overlook you and forget yours? If God is powerful enough to control the universe, do you really think he can't follow up his promises to you? And you're worth so much more to him than stars. Of course he can keep his promise. I don't know about you, but I often feel that other forces control the world. Viruses and illnesses, especially in the midst of this pandemic. And that's why it's really kind of God to have passages of the Bible like Isaiah 40. It's really kind of God to show us the stars here in Isaiah 40. Because his people were about to go into Babylon where they, his people, should I say, were in Babylon where they worshipped the stars. They thought the stars controlled their lives and their destinies. Just in case you follow the horoscopes, let me tell you, they don't. The one who made them controls all things. Because it's not the stars that control your destiny. It's God. So lift up your eyes, look beyond the stars to their creator, to God, the real God. Not idols that, we've surround, surround, that we're surrounded by and we find so attractive. Not the honey I shrunk God type of God that we often make him to be, but to this great and powerful God. But maybe we're thinking the problem is, I'd love to be able to look up, to the, lift up my eyes and look to God, but I can't see him. Well, the good news is that you and I don't have to have 10 years of NASA training. We don't need to go on Falcon Heavy to take off and ride into space to go and find him. You see, the God we cannot see came to earth and showed us what he was like in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We were thinking about that last week, weren't we? His first promise that he would come to his people. And in Jesus... We read in John's Gospel that through him all things were made. 
Without him, nothing was made that has been made. What does Isaiah 40 say? That God creates all things. And John's gospel tells us that Jesus creates all things. So saying that Jesus is God. And in the gospels, we see Jesus control all things. He can walk on water. He can turn water into wine. He can heal the sick. He can raise the dead. He's in control. And this Jesus created all things uh, and controls all things cares for you. The one who lets no star go missing, if you're in Christ, will not let you fall out of his hand. The one who knows every name of every star has your name graven on his hands. Jesus will never let go of you. Jesus will never forget you. And so can he cover our sins? Can he come to us? Can he keep his word? Can he carry us close to God's heart? Of course he can. After all, who else but God created all things? And who else but God controls all things? Let's pray together. Almighty God, we thank you that you have the power and you've shown us your power through the death and resurrection of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray, help us to see how powerful, loving and comforting you are. Help us to see that we're not to depend on the, the forces of nature or Mother Earth or whatever other idols we make for ourselves. Help us this morning to have our thoughts of you aligned with your word and help us to see and find the comfort that only you can give to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we thank you that none of us who are in Christ can be snatched out of the Father's hand or the Son's hand. So Lord, comfort us this morning. Come to us. As we repent and put our trust in you, cover over our sin. Lord, thank you that you've kept your word and you will keep on following through in your promises. Thank you, Lord, that in Christ you carry us close to your heart. Lord, thank you that you've come to comfort us. And may we know your comfort in Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing. As we close our service this morning, he is our God. He is our God. Thank you for being with us today. We pray that this service has been an encouragement to you, a challenge and a help to build you up in your faith in Christ. We've now ended our church service and we'd be delighted if you can join with us again. Thank you for being with us in Donna Cluny Parish. God bless you.